Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler, we've got Dave the Ultimate Fan here with us, as we do every week, our producer Joe may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod, we've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm, we're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, it divides the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast for another Dave versus Joe. <laughs> HJ's not here. That's not even really versus. We're going to have a little discussion today. We're going to talk about Kenny Omega and how AEW is doing stuff with Impact. But more than that... Maybe what we'd like to see Kenny Omega do. He just defended his AAA... Oh, mega what? heavyweight champion. Mega heavyweight champion. Mega campeonato. Yes. At their Triple Mania event. Against Laredo Kid. Very successful defense there. And he's been showing up on Impact, obviously. But, you know, he's calling himself the collector. Like, what are we going to see from him next? And what would he like to see? I think, right out of the gate, I'd like to see him against Nick Aldis for the NWA title. I think Nick excels in these type of matches. The NWA is currently not doing live stuff on its own, and I think it's a great opportunity. We already have Thunder Rosa there. They've already mentioned the NWA. We've had the NWA Women's Belt defended on this show. I think actually Serena Deeb, a contracted AEW talent, is now the NWA Women's Champion as we do this. So I think I think that's like the first step I'd like to see go is see Aldis and Omega. That is a very big match. Me, I was... I Obviously, I'd like to see him in NWA. Yeah. It would be interesting to see him pop up in ROH, since I believe he hasn't been there since the Bullet Club stuff. Yeah. I'd like to see him in MLW, but that that's the one I want to see the most, but I'd say that's the least likely. 
Mm. But obviously, NWA is going to be a likely belt that he could target. I would think ROH would be another close promotion they could work with. And maybe New Japan. I I would love to see him return to Wrestle Kingdom, the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. I mean, Mox is currently the U.S. champion. So Yeah, could he do something where he gets that championship over there? I could see him winning a bunch of promotion belts. And then at some point having to give them all back, and maybe they do like a storyline where say it doesn't have to be Mox, but he's feuding with Mox. Maybe somebody is slowly costing Kenny all his belts, and that's the storyline. You know, like he's gonna like Kenny becomes this collector, like almost Thanos, right? He's collecting all the Infinity Rings, and he's dominating, you know, the wrestling scene. And then somebody slowly starts taking away Kenny's prized possessions. And that's how all these organizations will get the rub, but also it's all part of a greater story. And Kenny doesn't lose nothing, really, because there might be assistance in these matches, and, you know, there's stuff that's all going to be part of a big story. And I was very surprised that he won the AAA title, because you would almost think with travel restrictions and kind of with him getting the belt in AEW... I thought he already had it. ...take away that title that he's had for so long, but oh. no, it's continuing, and I'm sure it's okay. going to be good business for everybody. I see what you mean. You thought he was going to lose it because of everything. Oh, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, no, I think there's something uh, bigger going on here. I think they uh, have a working agreement with promotions. And sidebar, I think I've mentioned this off-air, but AEW has a third show coming out at some point besides Dynamite and besides Dark. So a second show going on TV, essentially. Now, to me, Tony Khan's been wanting to put something different out there. What would be more different than having a collaboration of different organizations on one show? When I was younger, Joe Petacita had something, I think, called, I don't know if it was like the Wrestling Hour or what, but he would basically be like at a news center type desk. And he would preview all these different wrestling organizations and tell you about the news and stuff that was going on in each organization in the week. Even WWF. It would always be like footage at the time they had of, you know, and they had like stories going on and they would talk about everything. I'd say almost a similar format. Obviously, you would involve WWF because they're probably not going to be involved in this. But, you know, maybe start looking at other things going on, different promotions. Maybe have like an exclusive impact match on the show. Maybe an interpromotional match. And maybe you can really give this show kind of a different format. Yeah, and I think this is something that is really exciting to fans and what they've been waiting for for a while is that crossover. And we've talked about it countless times, the way that we like when promotions will share talent or work with each other. Absolutely. And, I mean, people have said it now. If you want to compete with WWE, now would be the time to do it. You know, like, especially everything going on with COVID. They're probably at the moment where they're, you know, they're struggling a bit. Everybody should pull together. And it's not to run WWE out of business. It's just try to make yourself sharper, work together to get stronger. And if anything, WWE will probably get stronger, too. And maybe they'll want to work with a promotion. And this will just be better for the wrestling business. Maybe people will start working with each other more on a whole. Yeah, I mean, I really hope this kind of lifts NWA because they're the ones that I'm worried about right now. Sure. Seems like since COVID and since AEW took off, a good amount of their talent has gone elsewhere and they haven't returned in like full form yet. And but, what will they look like when they can return? What will their roster be? By the way, bringing this back to Omega and Don Callis here a little bit, talking about, you know, territory days, talking about everybody working together. They're kind of reminding me of an old school Nick Bockwinkle and Bobby Heenan, or even a Ric Flair and Bobby Heenan, you know, where Callis is that, 
you know, that Bobby Heenan manager and Kenny's going to be like this, you know, slick talking, bump taking machine, you know, who's going to put on the great matches and he's going to help get everybody over. But he's also going to be that, you know, son of a bitch that you're going to want to hate too. Yeah, basically the character we've been waiting for for him to bring back since New Japan. Yeah, I love the little shots he took at, you know, Josh Matthews too, where he specifically said, you're an old Ambrose guy, right? Tough enough? You know, and they're just so sarcastic to him. They really set up great things. It's funny because one of the things I said I'd have an issue with, and I like Rich Swan. But to me, there's levels to this game as a fan, right? I'm just saying, when you talk about the Bucks maybe versus the Good Brothers, okay, I can see that. That's a dream match tag team title, right? You know, you start looking at some of the other talent, like the women, you know, you get Deanna Perrazzo, you know, against Sheeta. Well, those two seem evenly matched to me. I like that. But boy, Kenny Omega seems on another level than Rich Swan, And to me, it's like, I'm not as interested in that match at one point, but then at the same time, I like the little teases already, even though like I didn't see it at first. Now the little teases of like Rich is like not allowed to like, you know, like he, they're like, no, Rich, you can't go out this way. That's where Kenny and the bus is, the world champion. And he's like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, even though I wasn't, now they're kind of getting me excited. Now I kind of want to see this match. Yeah, I believe that the slow burn of the story will draw you in with that because even though Rich Swan is the world champion impact, it shouldn't diminish his drawing power. He is... A great star that another one misused by the WWE. Yeah. And he's done big things outside of it. Had a Mm. little, kind of got sidetracked with that injury. But I think him and Omega could be an amazing match. Yeah, I think they could. And it's interesting, too. Also, another little sidebar here is, like, Tony Khan buying time on their shows. Almost comes off a little heelish at times. And it almost kind of reminds me of, like, Vince McMahon going down to Memphis, Tennessee back in the old WWF days where he was the good guy announcer in WWF. But when he went down to Tennessee, he was the bad guy who was the owner of the company. And Jerry Lawler was the good guy. Whereas, like, you know, Jerry Lawler was the bad guy up north. (laughs) So Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I definitely see... Little similarities there, and I don't know. I, I'm interested to see that. Although Don Callis is clearly the bad guy as well, no matter where he is, he's clearly a heel. I don't know about Scott Demore yet. Scott Demore just seems super excited to have all this attention, but it was interesting, you know, that bit he had with Tommy Dreamer, where Tommy Dreamer's like, I'm a little concerned. We know these things never work out, <laughs> you know, which is yeah. a nice little, you know, play off the pass of obviously behind the scenes in real life. We know. These things where promotions work together usually don't work out. And I, I don't know. I just have hope for it right now. So far, it's gone good. Yeah. We're going to get, what, Omega's second appearance on Impact this mm-hmm. week? Yeah. And it's going to be his third appearance with Don Callis since the title. Well, thing. actually, actually, it'll be his third appearance because as we record this, he was actually a part of Final Resolution. He had showed up there, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, Carl Anderson actually stopped by his bus to say hi, and they had a little interaction, and Carl Anderson was saying, man, I'd love to party with you guys, but I got this match with Ethan Page. And Don Callis kind of, you know, slide. He said, well, that should only take you about two minutes. And he's like, well, Carl Anderson's like, well, that might take me longer than two minutes. And Kenny's like, wait, who am I talking to? I thought you were the machine gun. Remember the guy from the G1? Match of the year with Okada? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, let's see that guy. And they're all making little machine gun noises. <laughs> you know, just super yeah. arrogant. And then, you know, Carl Anderson ends up winning. And there's a story there. They're building, obviously, with Ethan Page losing. And Jason Alexander looks like they're on the splits. And I heard Ethan Page is actually letting his contract run out. And uh, he's actually going to be uh, done with Impact, I think, for now. 
So if you haven't heard that, that's also going on. But um, wow, that's sad because the North was one of those big teams that people were hoping to see in the interpromotional match with. Yeah, so he's his contract's out, and then Jason Alexander's with the country for another nine months, I want to say. So we'll see what happens there. I think it's still all a possibility unless he ends up signing with WWE or NXT or something. Now, I don't know what he's going to do. I've listened, and now we're getting on a totally different sideboard. Bar, but Ethan Page to me is somebody who really likes his freedom. So I don't know if he would sign with WWE or NXT, but however, right now, nobody's touring anymore. So <laughs> he might be open to whatever. Who knows? You know? Yeah, sure. But yeah, I don't know. So I think there's a lot of good stuff getting back to this angle. We could see him in Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact, NWA. Now, MLW, like you said, seems the least likely, but we know Court's down to definitely work with people. He's obviously loaned out Pillman. He's loaned out MJF in the past before all this MJF was actually just totally there. So they're definitely willing to work together. We just haven't seen any signs of that happening yet. So uh, I hope we do, though. Yeah, 100%. I think that's it. I think this is an interesting time in wrestling. We wanted to have a little talk about it today. You know, get back to us. Let us know what you think. Where would you like to see Kenny Omega show up? See if there's a promotion we missed. Hit us up. But uh, right now, I think that's going to do it for uh, me and Joe on uh, Dave versus Joe slash discussion. And uh, hopefully we'll have some more stuff to talk about in the future. Yeah, that'll be interesting in 2021. See you later. Later. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast. And today, it's Dave versus Joe. And today's topic is going to be, who's a better promo right now? Is it the hard-hitting Eddie Kingston? Or is it, the, my opinion, the best damn heel in the business MJF. Joe, we uh, had to kind of figure out what we were going to debate here because unlike our colleague AJ, who can just be a chameleon and go on the fly, we both have to kind of feel passionate about stuff. And we found we agree with a lot of things. So this was tough to come with, but you uh, feel strongly about Eddie, so hit me with it. 100%. I was t- I've been saying it for a while that every time you get an Eddie Kingston promo, you can tell it's real, I would say, unless he's just working us wonderfully. But, like, his, all his promos going into full gear, I thought, were huge. Anything he's done, I've gotten behind. And, I mean, he can be a heel, but he's also, he'll get behind, he'll get you behind him as a baby face. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree. I mean, before I start singing the praise of MJF, you're right. He's got a lot of baby face qualities about him. He has the ability. He looks like he's not going to back down from a fight a lot of times. Then, at the same time, like, coming out of full gear, I thought, this guy's going to be a freaking baby face. But then he turns on that heel heat right away, you know, and he's like feuding with Pac and he he's kicking Pentagon out of the ring or Phoenix. He's kicking Phoenix out of the ring. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy's good at being a nasty, nasty heel. So, yeah, and especially like the promo getting him the job in AEW. Then it seems like every time he gets the mic, it's amazing. And like you, I was worried about him coming out of full gear, but he has not missed a step. And, I mean, I think he could almost break off into any kind of storyline. He's good old reliable. He's good old reliable. He's somebody they could go to. Almost concerning if he was in WWE. I don't have that yet with AEW, but AEW does have such a jam-packed roster. But it gets a little concerning almost like when you're too reliable at that guy. It's like, no, no, no. Like, you know, we want you to be able to, like, eventually move on and get a bigger push, too. But he's somebody, like, you know, you could throw some talent out there who maybe don't have the interview, you know, the chops that he does, and you could put him in there with him, and he'll carry that. Now, MJF, to me, what I really like about him, okay, granted, 
Unlike Eddie, he I think he's a little more versatile. He can do the comedy shtick. We've seen that. But even just taking his chicken shit heel persona. Okay, obviously it's a different type of promo. He's not going to be that believable, badass, tough guy like Eddie is. But at the same time, to me, and maybe this isn't his promo ability. It's more of his persona, but he's fearless at times. Example, the pay-per-view earlier in the year when we still had fans back in February. I believe that was Revolution. Revolution, thank you. There's a thing in the audience. Someone's getting them some shit. He throws a drink right in their face. All right. We've been at Beyond Wrestling. I saw a guy in a Laparka costume talk some shit to him and got near him. He pie faced a kid. All right. He's said to a mutual friend of ours, excuse me, get out of my way, shitty tattoos. Okay. He does not care. He does not care who he offends. And let's go back to the promo. In MLW, he basically made some comment about the Von Erics and their curse and them dying. All right. When they were in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. I mean, he's just a fearless, old-school promo. They're both students of the game, too. You know, it's funny. I wish we had took a vote about this. I would have been really interested to see where people landed on this because I think they're both such dynamic performers in their interview style. I guess, gun to my head, and we didn't think a lot about this. We just, we just went right into it hot today. I feel MJF is a little more versatile of the two. Wow, I would say Kingston is because he can do the baby face and heel thing where MJF is just strictly heel. He's a very good heel, but he's just strictly heel. Anytime he's good, it leads the viewer to be like, oh, when is he going to turn? Kingston, I would argue he is fearless as well. He just gives off that street persona, especially when it was like him and Homicide in the NWA. Mm -hmm. just gives off that persona that he doesn't care he's willing to fight and that is scary to come at you i would agree i think there's well i think fearless i'm using examples as this stuff that mjf isn't afraid to go to and say i don't know i'm not saying that kingston isn't i've just seen certain things with mjf where he's willing to cross the line that i haven't seen other people cross yet that being said, what I will give Kingston a nod is believability. I don't think there's a guy who looks like he does that comes off more believable. Like, you know, AJ doesn't think he looks like a badass, right? We had this talk where he looks like a guy in basketball shorts and he's not going to wrestle. But I think despite his look, whether you think he looks like a tough guy or not, he makes you believe he's a tough guy through his promos. So I think he's got believability. Now, what I was saying by versatility, and you brought a good point, right? Kingston can do babyface. We don't know if MJF can do babyface. I meant MJF was a little more versatile in his heel promos, meaning he can be a little more just nasty or strictly comedy. I haven't seen a comedy side of Eddie yet. I don't know if Eddie does comedy. No, I think he's funny in a different way. Right. Like with him, it's more just like punchlines. It's not going to be your straight... It's going to be stuff maybe that pops a viewer, and it's not necessarily that something everybody's going to laugh at. You think he's more you likely know, to... a good line he uses on somebody. You think he's more likely to pop hardcore fans? I think anybody could get into him, but definitely hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. Now, as a persona, I think we both would agree MJF has the bigger upside given his age. And, uh... The age is the only thing helping him. If he was... I would say even five years older, mm -hmm. that would make him, I don't know how much younger than Eddie Kingston, but 
it's really MJF's age at being early 20s right now and being such a well-developed heel that gives him the only advantage I can see. Otherwise, you can't touch Kingston. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it really boils down to what you what you think. I think when you size these two up, Eddie's got the believability factor. I think MJF is just a little bit more of a dynamic chicken shit heel in a class of a Rowdy Piper. Eddie yeah, kind of reminds me... Eddie Kingston will never be as a chicken shit heel. No, he can't, this is where it gets a little blurred because even though he's a heel, when I look at his NWA run, I wonder, like, when he was cutting that promo and he got my attention that we talked about there, I thought, man, this guy's like their modern-day Dusty Rhodes. Like, yeah. he could end up being like, I'm kind of sad we never saw Kingston and Aldis having that feud with the pandemic. I think that would have been money and magic for that company. There's still a chance. I don't think it's out of the realm of things, but look at that. I mean, Kingston's such a good promo. You're fantasy booking him with another company's champion. Absolutely. I don't think you're necessarily doing that with MJF. We're waiting for him to get his first championship. That's a good point. I mean, but out of the two of them, I think MJF's more likely to be the world champion in AEW right now. Yeah, I was... Most likely, I would say. Yeah. If they got it to Kingston, it would be something story-wise, and maybe it would be the thing that would pop MJF off. I, I think... Really, like, they just got you hoping that he gets the championship. I guess this is what I see with the two, in my mind, to make the comparison. I see MJF potentially being the top heel of that company, like a Kenny Omega is now. I see Kingston maybe eventually going to a babyface role. And it's not that I don't think he'll ever win the world title. I don't know if he will. But I think if he gets it, it's going to be like that Mick Foley run. Like, oh, man, we weren't really expecting it, but they put the belt on him. Because he's such a good promo and everybody's behind him and they wanted to see him win. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting seeing what he can do with the Death Triangle returning with Pac coming back. MJF, they're really kind of teasing this whole thing with the inner circle that I'm honestly I'm more invested in the death triangle angle because mainly because it's been gone for so long this thing with the inner circle we've seen brewing and if nothing else happened maybe they would be running concurrently yeah it's hard to say I think the inner circle thing will probably have a little more steam because you also have the inclusion of Jericho, and Jericho is just box office, given his success in the business. That being said, sidebar, I like Chris. He's one of my all-time favorites, but like to me, like he's lost a little bit of steam in recent weeks. I mean, his matches seem to be slowed down. I don't know if it's just the age, or one factor maybe in the cold weather. So I can see where someone would have a little more interest in the deaf triangle thing that's going on. But, man, I don't know. I just really love the chemistry of MJF and everybody around him. I don't think me and you are going to come to an agreement on this. I think one no, thing... No, I don't think either of us is really going to back down. And it neither of us should because they are both huge promos. This is probably where having the votes would help... Right. Not to sway it one way or another, but to leave some kind of a decision. Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see what people put in the comments section for this. Yeah, definitely want to get some feedback on this, guys. I am. This is something I'm actually very curious about, and I wish we had uh, built it up. But, hey, it was a spur-of-the-moment thing. Me and Joe wanted to put it out there, and I'm glad we did. Yeah, and we need more fan interaction because we put this stuff out for people every week. We hear from Jesse from New Hampshire. We hear from Scott. 
Zach. You hear from the St. John's, Mike yeah. Flynn, Randy, but what was it, Mikey and Fred or some shit that <laughs> wrote us and got in on the five? Yeah, Mikey and Fred, baby. Facebook guy. He, he, I hope he's listening to this. We, we actually appreciate that. That may not have been the best way to build into that, Joe. It is. Oh, no, we, uh, we do appreciate anybody getting yeah. to us, but it happens so rarely that I can't remember their names. Yeah, yeah. But we definitely... Yeah, we, I mean, we take people's votes for everything, and you know where to hit us, the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, watch the live show uh, on the Buzz Facebook page every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. We run down all our social media there. There's live comments that you can throw us questions. Hit us up there. Just find us wherever you can find the Working Fans Podcast. All right, and on that note, we appreciate you, and I think somebody more famous than me would end this with uh good night <laughs> goodbye bang <laughs> something like that i don't know <laughs> he's a much better promo than me this is dave he's joe we're out of here <laughs> night, night fans welcome back for another week of the 531 where we take our top five list on a particular subject vote it down to a top three and then debate that top three down to a number one spot dave this week it's got to be my favorite all-time wrestling match, the War Games. Mm. Tell me about it, Regal. <laughs> the Laps fan just did a really good retrospective on the War Games on their podcast, I thought. Yeah, man. I mean, this is something we talk about a lot, actually. I mean, we've like War Games has been mentioned, I think, in top five cage match lists we've done. We've done War Games versus the Rumble. We've done all kinds of stuff about it. But in my research, I've yet to see that we had a top five War Games. And for any fans out there, if we're wrong, feel free to shove it up our ass. Because <laughs> clearly we don't do the best research. That's on us. <laughs> yeah, on our own show, by the way. Like, we've recorded it, we forgot about it, but we just don't now. This is actually a couple weeks after the newest NXT War Game match happened. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that one. It's not like the old ones necessarily, but they are, they've got, the, they're keeping the tradition in their own way. Yes, yes. Now, the first list I got this week is Jesse from New Hampshire, and he's got Wrestle War 92, mm. which had Sting, Nikita, Dustin, Steamboat, and Barry Windham versus Dangerous Alliance of Arn, Eaton, Steve Austin, Larry Zabisco, and Rick Rude. Yeah, that's my uh, favorite war games of all time. I absolutely love that. To me, it's the selling in this war games of guys like Ricky Steamboat, Dustin Rhodes, Ian Anderson. The crowd reaction is just rabid. I think it's the best of what this is. Now, second on his list, he's got Fall Brawl 93, which has Sting, Bulldog, Dustin, and the Shockmaster. Versus Sid, Vader, Harlem, and Harlem Heat. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's a favorite of a lot of people's, but I actually kind of like it too. I think I was just a big fan of some of the wrestlers in there. Not so much Fred Oatman, no offense Fred, to quote Dusty Rhodes. Fred Oatman's a bitch, baby. I'm embarrassed he's in my family. <laughs> that may not be a real quote, but I heard that somewhere. But, no, nah, I like uh, the Harlem Heat. I love Sid at the time, the Bulldog, and I thought Dustin was really good in that match too. Yeah, that team, Sid, Vader, and Harlem Heat, that's just four monsters Mm. in there and even though it's not a five on five match that is a good like baby face versus heel dynamic now fall brawl 95 is third on his list this is hogan's team in the camo which is hogan savage luger and sting versus kamala zodiac shark and meng jesse 
How dare you? <laughs> I love you, kid. You put some good stuff on there. This was clearly a biased time of Hulkamania, I guess it is. Guys, I hate that War Games. I absolutely can't stand it. Jesse, you've got a lot of good lists. I'm going to cut you some slack. But that one, I disagree. Vehemently. I mean, how good should it be, though, with Kamala? It shouldn't. And May. <laughs> Not that time period. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> and another thing, the fucking finish. Zodiac in the camel clutch. Yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> what the hell? It ruined it. It ruined war games. Ah, I don't want to talk about it. Alright, let's move on to happier topics then. The return of NXT, the return of the War Games in NXT in 2017 with Cole Fish and O'Reilly yeah. versus the Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong versus Killian Dean, Alexander Wolf, and Eric Young. Yeah, good stuff. Not quite War Games like they would say on the Laps fan, you know, because we were doing it the three way at the time, but the action was good here and it ended up setting up Roderick Strong turning on the Office of Pain, enjoying the era. Which, in my opinion, this is the highlight of Roger Strong's career right now. His run with Undisputed Era. Like, I don't think Strong's ever been better in his career, at least as a total package on the mic and as a performer in the ring. I'm loving the future war games they're going to see after this with that team. And I think the era has kind of really redefined war games in the modern era. Yeah, I think what makes this one so good is that it is this, the restart of yes. that modern era. It sets Undisputed Era as the War Games is their match. And that year, with it being the first year that it returned, I was just excited that we were going to be able to see the War Games return and the match that it would produce. I thought it was great. I'm going to throw you a list here, all right? I got my... We got one more. Uh, We got his fifth list is NXT 2019 with Ciampa, Lee, Dijakovic, and Owens. Versus Cole, Riley, Fish, and Strong. I think we talked about this off air a little bit. What I remember mostly about that is Ciampa and Cole taking that hellacious bump off the top of the cage through several tables. And this was, of course, was the one where WWE made sure to get a shot of Britt Baker in the audience. And then, you know, trying to say, oh, they didn't mean to do that. Now, that being said, even though I remember that, again, another hell of a war game. And this was the one, listen to the Laps Fans podcast, where they said NXT got it right finally. Out of all the modern war games, this was the one, you know, where they they really enjoyed it. They put this one over, the 2019 men's war games. It's good to see Owens in there with Lee, Dijak, and Ciampa. Yeah. And obviously, to go up against Undisputed Era, you're going to need that good opposition team. Great, Great weekend for NXT, by the way. This was last year where they were included in that Survivor Series, and they ended up winning the Tribe Branded. You know, Angle, everybody fought, and uh, Cole had a win over Daniel Bryan on a SmackDown leading up to this. He ended up getting a win at Survivor Series 2. I'm blanking out on who that was. But, you know, and then he had this big War Games performance, even though he didn't win. So, Cole and, you know, the Arab, they really had a great weekend. So Yeah, definitely. Now, whose list do you have? I got Zach. He's got the 92 uh, War Games. He's got 2018 War Games. He's got 2017. 91 and 89, you know, we talked a lot about 92 already. That was my favorite one. Uh, it was interesting on this list, I thought, was 89 in particular. Joe, I don't know if you had the list in front of you, those guys, but I remember uh, this is the one Steve Dr. Def Williams 
was involved. I do have it. It was Bash 89, and it's the Road Warriors, the Midnight Express, and Dr. Death versus the Fabulous Freebirds and the Simone Swat team. Right. It's like a very interesting group of people for that time period, because this is the first time we got away from some form of Dusty, you know, whoever, was, whoever Dusty had for a team versus the Horsemen. You know, like this was the first time we went in a different direction. Yeah, and Midnight Express on that face side is interesting to see. And he also had 91 on this list, too, which is a fun one, too. That's the one where Sid, who was a member of the Horsemen, powerbombed Brian Pillman. And Pillman actually hit the top of the cage and ended up injuring his shoulder. Wow, nobody leaves the War Games unscathed, it seems, especially shoulders. Yes. <laughs> Let me give you Mikey and Fred's list. Yes, Mikey and Fred from our uh, Facebook group, who, uh, well, he messaged us on the uh, Facebook page. Yeah, you want to get in on the 531, message us, drop it in the comments. We usually post it in enough sometimes we surprise you with it. Yeah. But his list is 1, Bash 87, 2, Wrestle War 91, that's the Four Horsemen with Zabisco versus Sting, Pillman, and the Steiner Brothers. He's got Wrestle War 92, Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. NXT 2017, the Undisputed Era versus AOP and Strong versus that Sanity combo. And he's got Fall Brawl 98, WCW versus NWO. I mean, again, what I'm noticing too is so far, I think 92 is going to make a lot of lists. <laughs> 92, 91. Yeah. I'm going to say probably 87, even though it's still early to call. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right there. 87, the first one, is going to be a favorite of a lot of people's. What stuck out on that list? Anything in particular that you had? Fall Brawl 98. Uh, it's a little odd to see one so close to the year 2000. Mm hmm. I mean, personally, for me, my golden years of WCW were probably closer to, like, Jim Crockett Promotions times. I want to say late 80s. Yeah. Maybe early 90s. Honestly, the bigger that Nitro got, the more I kind of fell out with it. Mm. I still watched it, but it just got to be too much when the NWO overgrew. So, in a late 98, that... That wouldn't be my pick, personally. Yeah. I like that 89 made it again, though. 89's getting some love on this uh, show. I'm going to go to a long-time fan of the show, number one fan, some would say, Randy Osga. He's got 92 war games, 91 war games. He's got the 2020 men. He's got the first one uh, in 1987. And then he's got 88, which was Dusty, Steve Williams, Nikita Koloff, and Lex Luger, and Paul Ellering versus the Four Horsemen. Solid list, as always. Yeah, Randy knows how to bring it. I'm just checking something here, Joe, because sometimes I mess up on Randy's list, and I just want to... Nope, 91 was his, <laughs> his second one. I had only wrote down nine for whatever reason. <laughs> so. You didn't want him to take you out to the field on that one. No, 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 no. I messed up one a couple weeks ago. I gave him an apology last... Now, the next list I got is from fan of the show Mike Flynn, friend of the show even. And he's got the 87 War Games, so the original one, 91, 92, 2018, and the 2019 Men's. Actually, he had the 2019 Women's. Oh, yep. No, it says Women's. Yeah, <laughs> 2019 with the women. That is the one last year where Dakota Kai made her heel turn. And, yep, uh, yeah, it started a pretty big year for her had COVID not ruined it, I would say. Yeah, no, I would say too. I thought it was one of the better... Well done heel turns, too. She was a really great baby face, and she had a really, really brutal beatdown on Tegan Knox 
who, poor girl, continues to get actual real-life knee injuries and uh, hope the best for her. That definitely was a memorable thing about that women's war games. Yeah, 100%. Now, whose list do you have next? I got Scott. Scott from Voluntown. He's got 91 in his top spot because, damn right, that's the best one of all time. Well, actually, 92 is the best one of all time, but 91's close. 92 is in here at number two. 87, the original. 89. And then he has the 2019 men, the opposite of Mike Flynn. Uh, solid list. The next list I got is mine. This is the last one. Mm. I've got, obviously, the original Bash 87. I've got the Bash 89 also with that Freebirds versus and uh, Simone SWAT team versus Road Warriors Express and Dr. Death. I've got the MLW 2003 War Games, which is Terry Funk, The Sandman, Dr. Death, Sabu, and Bill Alfonso versus Steve Carino, Simon Diamond, C.W. Anderson, P.J. Walker, and Barry Windham. Mm-hmm. This is the one, if you listen to the last fan, Court Bauer talked about with Terry Funk and the Branding Iron. And you can see it on, I believe, almost any w, almost any old MLW intro. That's quite a list of people for that time period. <laughs> yeah, especially since in 2003 you got Dr. Death and Barry Windham back in a World Games cage. Now, the next one I have after that, is the return of the War Games to MLW in 2018 with Barrington Hughes, John Hennigan, Cotto Brazil, Shane Swerve Strickland, and Tommy Dreamer versus Abyss, Jimmy Havoc, Sammy Callahan, Leon Scott, and Sawyer Fulton. And then the last one on my list is the 2019 Men's War Games. We've covered with Lee, Champa, Dijak, Kovic, and Owens versus the Undisputed Era. Well, it's a good list, my man, but I'm going to go a little different route. I'm going to include MLW as well, but I'm going to include their 2019 war games with the Von Erics, Ross and Marshall, former guests of the show, Loki and Tom Law with Kevin in their corner against Contra Unit, Jacob Fatu, Joseph Samuel, and Simon Gotch. Also, uh, Kiro Kwan, I believe, was the other guy in that match. To me, it's just... Man, you got Von Erichs back out here in Dallas because that took place in Dallas for the cage. And you got Kevin outside. And I just really love, I love the dynamic of when Ross and Marshall get in there, particularly with Joseph Samael and Jacob Fatu. There's some kind of like, you know, Pier 6 brawl, old school like element where it looks like a real fight when those guys are in there against each other. So Yeah, that feud is really driving, I would say, MLW even through the restart right now. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. big fan of all those guys. To me, Joseph Samuel is kind of the underrated one of the group because the Ron Eriks, obviously Ross and Marshall, super talented. I think they're going to be great stars. And Jacob Fatu is obviously a crazy athlete for his size. But... Joseph Samuel is like this old school brawler where he throws the fireballs and he's going to get color in the match. And I think he really adds something to that stuff. I also got the 92 War Games. Obviously, I said that's my favorite. Sting Squadron, Dangerous Alliance. 91 makes my list. And then I had uh, the 2021 of this year with the men because uh, recency bias. I really enjoyed it and decided to put it in there. And I put in the 2019 Women's War Games as well. Wow, now to be honest, I originally had the 2020 War Games but then when I saw the 2019 one, I just seeing Kevin Owens in there, I remember how much that excited me. And I'm like, 
maybe I'll give that the edge over 2020, just since 2020 just happened. Yeah, I'm probably really biased. I just wanted to include it because I saw no one else had it, and I'm really impressed with for how limited he's been in the ring, how Pat McAfee's been performing everything. If anything, I thought the War Games went a little long, but I still thought it was a solid, solid effort by everybody, and uh, made my list. Yeah, and I think the highlight was actually McAfee's performance, given that he is not a full-time wrestler, but... He is performing the best in that spot in quite a while, would you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's delivering, especially on the mic. But he's showing that in his limited in-ring stuff, too, he's doing great. And he's really adding a lot to people like Pete Dunne, Oni Lorking, and Danny Burch. Like, you know, all quiet, like, assassins now have this mouthpiece. Yeah, 100%. Now, do you have any more lists? No, that's it. You know, we can... Uh, Try to figure out this thing. I think 92's got to be in there. And um, Yeah, I was going to say, I saw you were keeping track over there. So, kind of, who do you have as the front runners that got the most votes? I got 92 and 91. Then it gets a little dicey. I'm going to say 87 is probably in here, I think. I think most people had the original. 87's in there a lot. Or 89. Let's throw it up between 87 and 89 because that did make a couple lists. I, to me, 89's a little more exciting just because of the Road Warriors, the Midnight Express. You've got the dynamic where it's not Dusty versus the Horsemen anymore. So it's kind of that first step that the War Games took from being that kind of that Dusty Horseman match to this can exist outside of that story structure. Yeah, I got no problem with moving 89 over 87. I know a few traditionalists and hardcore fans are probably going to fucking let us have it for not including the number one in the final three. But we do things a little differently here sometimes, like making Kane the number one mass wrestler in the world of all time. I can't tell you what we're going to do, folks. We go where the thing takes Guys, us. listen, Dave doesn't like Starcade 83. He's allowed to make mistakes. Happy. There's some things we're going to leave off. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, I got this down, well... I guess you could argue, I think 92 is my winner, obviously. I already said that, but, you know, I mean, you could make an argument 89 is better than 91, because 91 is kind of that a crazy finish where Pillman kind of gets hurt. So, you know, but it's definitely, there's a hot crowd for both of them. What do you think it is about the Sting Squadron versus Dangerous Alliance match that makes it the best war games? I'll go say it earlier. I think it's just, it's two things. It's the rabid crowd, and it's the selling. Everybody is selling their ass off in this match if you go watch it. There's blood, too. Everybody's bleeding. Everybody's taking crazy bumps. But they're all, you know, building. And the the pace. I think if you go back and watch this, with the exception of maybe, you know, modern wrestling, for that time period, this is a pace like any other war games. But it all looks violent. Steamboat's a big part of that. I think Steamboat really kind of really helps this thing along in my opinion plus that 92 wcw crowd you don't get crowds like that anymore from that golden period of wcw no it's funny because obviously it wasn't their most successful time period business wise but the crowds they did get were loyalists and super rabid they were there to see wcw now do you think that's more of a trademark of southern style wrestling versus what is produced more more north? I would say uh, it's definitely uh, part of it. At the end of the day, it's a different crowd. Right. I don't know if that crowd still exists as much. I think it does in certain parts. Talking to our boy from WrestleTopia there, JD, he mentioned that, you know, they have had some promotions where it's still 
you know, they run it into a similar crowd. I'd like to see that at some point, maybe when COVID eventually uh, <laughs> frees up and we could travel a little more safely. But yeah, man, I don't know. I'm a big fan of that old school style crowd. Even Henry Godwin, who we had recently on the show, I referenced how when him and Dennis Knight were tech slashing during Shanghai, Shanghai Pierce and WCW, and they were working those uh, Saturday night tapings at Atlanta Center Stage. For whatever reason, the crowd took a liking to one of them, and everything they would do would be like, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, and it would just go nuts, and it made the match interesting. It made it more exciting to me. Now, a little tangent here. Are you excited for the upcoming AEW Blood and Guts whenever it does happen? Yeah, I'll throw you a little side. I'll throw you a little sidebar here. I'm not only excited for that. I think this is possibly what we're going to see sting. I think because even though it's a war games, because it's a multi-person and if Sting's the last guy in it, I think we can protect Sting this way where he doesn't take a lot of bumps. He can be the guy who's a house of fire. I think we're looking at Cody. I think we're looking at Darby. I think we're looking at Sting. We'll say those three at least are for sure. We're going to need two other guys, obviously. Maybe, well, Dustin could be someone in there, so that'd be four. And, you know, depending, we're going to do five. But obviously on the other side, we got Cage. We got Ricky Starks. We got... Uh, are they going up against Inner Circle or are they going Team up Taz. against uh, Team Taz? That's said? what I think, yeah. You know. Okay. And if you're going to, I mean, you got Taz's son Hook hanging around here now, you know, Hobbs. So I don't know. There's a lot of people there. If you're going to do five on five, maybe you even get Taz involved somehow. I don't know. I mean, it's a little crazy wow. to think both Taz and Sting in a War Games, but, you know, if all can be protected, you know, and it's a good, it's a good hook, no pun intended to his kid, and you get people in here. And, you know, there's enough wrestlers in there who could hopefully carry it and still make it very exciting. Yeah, 100%. Now, I just, that just, War Games made me think of that. But, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that 92 is the winner here. Yeah. Anybody, if you guys disagree with it, let us know in the comments. Get to us in email. We got a live show Wednesday night where you can curse us out to our face. Yeah. You got the balls, little bitches. <laughs> 6 p.m. Wednesday, every Wednesday, unless we're late. Yeah, or, or unless AJ's handing out cheesecakes to the homeless, whichever yeah. happens first. Have, me and Joe will be there, most likely. <laughs> Except December 30th. I actually work that night. We gotta pay them bills. We'll, we'll figure that out. I just sprang that on Dave on the air. We gotta pay them bills, brother. <laughs> guys, have a good week, and we will talk to you next week. Later. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 